This episode of Our Native Land is supported by the Royal BC Museum. We're taking a quick break from the conversation to thank our supporter, the Royal BC Museum, and to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to Our Native Land. Check podcasts. Our native land, our native land, our native, our native, our native land. Hoya, hoya, our native land. Hey everybody, Chad Leo here, host of Our Native Land through Czech Podcast and Czech TV. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode. Before we get started, I would just like to do a territory acknowledgement that I acknowledge with respect to the Kwangan peoples on whose traditional territory Czech Studio stands upon and to all the Indigenous tribes that are part of the Coast Salish, New Channel and Kwakwakwak nations here on Vancouver Island. I thank these nations and traditional land keepers for allowing us to live work and play on their lands. And thank you, the listener and viewer, for joining us on another episode of Our Native Land. I'm super excited to introduce you to my next guest. His name is Mac Fleet. He goes to school with me. He's taking the BCIT Broadcasting and Journalism program with me. I met him through there, and uh, we have somehow found enough in common that we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem, man. So tell me how you've been enjoying uh, Vancouver Island. I know you've been here a few times when you're younger, but you've obviously come a little bit more often now that I've invited you over so what are what are your impressions yeah it's been nice so i grew up in uh, abbotsford and the fraser valley on the mainland so uh you know lots of sights and sounds there but coming to the island just it's awesome i love the ocean you know you get some of the mountain you get everything yeah what about the air that you make fun of me the for? air all oh, that fresh island air just hits different it's different i saw you take a couple deep breaths i know it's good I may be guilty of that <laughs> uh so we're going to talk about a couple of things we've got three different segments for uh today on the show uh first we're going to just talk a bit about me and mac how we met each other and and mac has uh maybe an interesting observation or two about me and Connecting to my my culture, and then uh, uh, we'll talk a bit about uh, some hockey, and that'll make all some sense uh, a little bit later. And then we'll finish off with a sort of behind the scenes and uh, our feelings and emotions behind a trip that we did uh, on location shoot with our native land. So we'll chat about that too. Uh, so Mac, let's talk a bit about your background. You said you're from Abbotsford. Uh, what's sort of your journey on how you got to the broadcasting? um program Career. yeah yeah um you know i always wanted to be a sports reporter i have a huge passion for sports i love hockey and but i never played sports growing up uh, just because i'd rather play video games <laughs> but uh eventually um you know i was working odd job after odd job and just felt like i was getting nowhere in life and um someone in my life was like hey uh you know there's this program at bcit where like you could potentially become a sports reporter. And I was like, isn't BCIT just a trade school? And sure enough, I looked and I was like, wow, like I can do this. So yeah, just on a whim, I uh, applied, got in and uh, been loving it ever since. Yeah, it's it's quite a quite an interesting program. And I think most people, when you tell them you've been in BCIT, it has a lot to do with like the hands-on 
uh, aspect of it instead of just constantly listening the whole time and not actually doing the things that they're telling you. So do you find that beneficial to hopefully, you know, give yourself the tools you need to go out and, and, and get that, you know, hopefully get that job eventually? Absolutely. Like I, as someone has had absolutely no experience with any of anything in our field, um, getting this hands-on training was horrifying but also very <laughs> important so you know we're working with cameras or video editing and you know i'm at zero knowledge but you know i've built a pretty solid foundation through those means yeah absolutely yeah no you've you've come a long ways and a lot of students have too because it's you know there's it's a lot of programs a lot to learn and and uh it was such a huge refresher for me too because last time i've really spent time with the you know a camera so complex i was 12 years old so it has it has been a minute i think there's a black and white photo i showed you that's how old i am oh that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> um now you yeah you you definitely like hockey we're after the break we're going to talk about hockey but with an indigenous perspective we're going to chat about uh different indigenous players within uh the nhl uh which is pretty exciting i've something i've always wanted to do and and you're so passionate about hockey and then quite uh quite knowledgeable so it's perfect guy to come on the show and talk about it um i noticed uh i mean we've mentioned i've mentioned on the show before uh and it's always been something that uh is just a constant discovery for me through the show but um something that you were talking about on the drive down is you kind of noticed uh over time my my connection to my indigenous heritage through various things that i've been doing whether it's on school or you know with this show so i'm if you want to kind of uh, uh, tell me what what are your thoughts or your, your observations on on that? Um, yeah, from an outside perspective, you know, uh, I think when we first met, you know, you were still the show was still somewhat fresh, and you were still kind of like getting in touch for, with your roots. But you know, uh, becoming friends with you, like you've developed some pretty solid relationships with indigenous members, like Zaw from school, and um, you're starting to do like more traditional things like uh, smudging. And, you know, we had the, the recent trip to Butte Inlet with your peoples, which, you know, was first time up there. That would be my second time second I was time up, up there. there. First time I was 12 and second time was now. So, yeah, I've definitely noticed that you've definitely embraced it and, you know, proud and it's been nice to see. Yeah, thanks, man. And that's I. it's one of those things where like in the moment, like when somebody says, you know, BCIT has an indigenous service center or anywhere for that matter it's the first thing is walking through the doors because you're just walking into a place where everybody knows everybody and you're the new person and but they did such a good job of, of welcoming me and and that's i think so essential for um you know the term urban indian or urban indigenous person when there is when you're not living on reserve that's where i think the challenge comes in and and Zaw and uh, celeste and everybody there have been so nice to to um you know welcome me with open arms and the great things i've been taking like you and other people there and and showing like if we need interviews or you know you want to get a coffee or just like we're, it's it's welcoming for everybody else too which is nice well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a short break. We're going to talk about uh, some hockey. we got some great uh, past players here from the NHL. Uh, and we're going to talk a bit about their indigenous background, a bit about their stats, and uh, what makes them uh, super-duper awesome. And uh, <laughs> I can say that, right? So I don't think I've said super. So professional. I, I don't know if I've ever said super-duper in a sentence before until now. So uh, we're going to leave it in, though. 
I'm here with my friend Mac Fleet, and we are going to talk now about some hockey. You excited? Oh, totally. Good. I am too. And the dynamic here is that I love hockey in general. I don't have a, a favorite team of any kind, but I do enjoy watching, especially now I've met somebody so passionate about it, and I'm able to watch it with somebody and ask questions because I still don't know all the rules, and I'm I'm okay to to admit that. Uh, but uh, yeah, you got quite the passion for hockey, and uh, first you need to tell everybody who which team you cheer for. Oh, you could put me on a spot like that. <laughs> uh, I am a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, unfortunately, and yes, I hear about it everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah, no. I think since since they lost, you told me you haven't worn anything that has a Toronto Maple Leafs logo on it. Man, like my wardrobe is like ninety percent Toronto things. So like it's a struggle <laughs> trying to wear something these days. Yikes. So. But yeah, I haven't worn anything. At the time of filming right now, we uh, we just finished watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. This episode is going to air much later than that, but it was uh, the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So what are your thoughts on uh, on that final game? Um, I'm happy Colorado won. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, with the Buccaneers and the Rays, they they got a little too much success in that city right now, so it's good to see them taking out. <laughs> yeah, take a, yeah, they have been winning pretty hard. The and they've been uh, Stanley Cup um, winners the past two years. That past correct? two years, three times in the finals in a row. Like get get a new team in there. Yeah, somebody <laughs> deserves a, a yeah. new one, right? And they beat the Leafs, so I'm a little bitter. That, that. Yeah, so you wanted them to lose no matter what. Bit. I can do that too. <laughs> Is do you know the? I don't, I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't ask you. Tell you that I was going to ask this, but do you know what's the actual record of how many Stanley? Cup uh, finals were one in a row. Because uh, three I, sounds like a lot. I believe, actually, uh, an Indigenous player was on this team. I think it's the New York Islanders okay. with four in a row in the 80s. Okay. Um, God, that is on the spot. That, if that, I had that, a guess. If you had a guess, it's that. Okay, we're going to look it up and get emails about it later. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go right into it. I wanted to talk about some Indigenous hockey players. Uh, the first one up is Fred Saskimus. Can you tell me a bit about him? Well, other than having a sweet last name. That is um, a good name. Moose in the last name is awesome. Fred is actually, from what I've read, is the first Indigenous player to actually play in the NHL. And this is all the way back, I believe, in 1954. He played 11 games with the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, awesome. Saskimus. And he also, you wrote here, served as a chief, chief of the Athka Cup Cree Nation. So that's pretty sweet. And then he got some more stats too, right? Yeah, so his heritage is Cree. And then um, he was one MVP of the Western Canadian Junior Hockey League after scoring 31 goals in a single year. So that's why he got to play. That's a lot. And then he unfortunately passed recently due to COVID, right? Yeah, in 2020, in November, I believe, complications. To oh, that's too bad. He was probably probably older, I'm assuming, at this point. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dude, if he was played it? in 54, yeah. He was yeah, I guess old. so. Maybe he was... Not as old as you. Maybe not. You know, <laughs> maybe he was young. Uh, anyways, rest in peace for Saskimoos. Yeah. Uh, next we have is Reggie Leach. You want me to tell, tell me a bit about our background, his background and his stats? Um. Well, I'm not even going to attempt that name or that... Uh... That's you. That's all. Oh, Ojibwe. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's Ojibwe, <laughs> Barron's River First Nation. Sorry, I'll save it for you. Yeah, yeah. Put me on the spot. Yeah, a lot of times today. Yeah. Um, okay. What's yeah, that? no, Leach was an awesome player. Uh, he won a cup with the Flyers and the Broad Street Bullies with uh, Bobby Clark. He still holds the record to this day, along with Yari Curry, for most goals in a single playoff run with 19, which is 
bonkers. So that that is literally the highest uh, in a in a playoff series. Well, ever. And you think about it too, if like playoff goals, you're playing playoff teams so to have that many in such a short amount of games is insane that is really crazy and in that run he didn't win the stanley cup but he won the con Smythe because of the 19 goals wow that's awesome yeah. and he was so he winning the stanley cup he would be the also the first indigenous player ever to win a stanley cup that's 75 quite possibly i didn't look that far into that it. far into it but it could could be the first yeah. one uh, next is a very famous uh, hockey player, somebody that as soon as you name it, they right away know who he is uh, and that he is um, from Canada and is a nuke uh, from Nunavut, and his name is Jordan Tutu, and he is an incredible uh, player from what I understand. So if you want to tell me a bit about Jordan Tutu. I mean, yeah, he's a good player. You know, he's feisty. Uh, Am I just, I'm saying he's incredible because I'm just being biased. Just a fan boy. Yeah, just a fan boy, <laughs> but yeah. No, he plays hard. Um, He actually has the franchise record for penalty minutes with the Nashville Predators. <laughs> that, that's what he meant by play hard, <laughs> yeah. Super happy. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he wears a uh, 22 because of his name, 2-2. Oh, see, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. wow. Like, so, when you wrote that, I was like, who cares? But now <laughs> I, I get it. But uh, he recent, uh, he retired back in 2011, I think, to uh, help with Indigenous communities and even spoke in Campbell River. He did, eh? That's where you're from. I know. I grew up there in Campbell River, and we were just there, too. We're going to talk there. about that later. Was he doing, like, some kind of a speech for youth or kind yeah. of, like, lecture? Helping um, Indigenous youth, I believe. That's awesome. And he does have a, a book or two, I believe talking about his uh, sobriety and, and mental health and yeah but you can't things. read so obviously no i didn't buy it i can't read yeah. so i can barely read what you wrote here and it's <laughs> bullet point um uh next is uh carrie price we got in time for one more so we can do carrie right. price also a very well-known name uh, montreal canadian goaltender uh what do you know about uh good old carrie price um carrie price is responsible for breaking my heart last year when he <laughs> defeated the league <laughs> but aside from that you know amazing goalie so much national success um you know, won a gold medal with the Olympics 2014 um, with Canada. He's got world junior success, Vezina winner, MVP, you name it. Hasn't gotten the cup yet. You know, it's a hard thing to do. Canadian team hasn't done it since 93. Um, has the record for most wins among Montreal Canadian goalies, which is crazy considering they've been around over 100 years. So oh. Price is definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's a big name for for hockey as well as uh, you know an uh, an indigenous uh, icon. Uh, he is from the New Selk and the Southern Carrier uh, heritage uh, out on the other side of Canada. So he's uh, he's also a very good indigenous hockey player. So we've talked about how we met. We've uh, talked about some hockey players, indigenous hockey players. And now we're going to talk about a trip that we recently did together. Actually, literally the day we're filming this, we were just on this trip yesterday. And I can also tell that we got a lot of some, both of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for the listeners and viewers who uh, are uh, listening and watching, uh, we had an opportunity uh, very last minute while we were filming another episode in Camberover to go up Butte Inlet, which is the traditional lands of the Humalco First Nation, which is where I'm also from. It's where my father grew up uh, and his, uh, his parents and grandparents as well all grew up in Butte Inlet. It is northeast of Campbell River. Uh, the entry of the mouth from Campbell River by boat takes about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on where you count the mouths of Butte Inlet. And then there are sp uh, some spots along the way, such as Church House, Orford Bay. Now, well, what me and Mac did is we went further than that. So I believe 
from the moment we left Campbell River to our destination, which was past Potato Point, was about three hours, something like that, hey? Yeah, it was super long. Like, I think, you know, taking a ferry from, you know, Horseshoe Bay to the islands long, like three <laughs> hours just up inland, super long, but man, the sights are crazy. It's beautiful. It was hot um, as um, we are, have experienced this summer so far, beginning of summer, when we're filming this right now. Um, can you tell me a bit about, um, we'll get to the ceremony part, but tell me a bit about going up that coast, like your experience of seeing that so much untouched land. Yeah, it was great. Like, like I said, you know, I'm from the city, so like noise pollution, you're always constantly hearing things, but you know, you're so secluded up there. You're, and you got topography is crazy. Like, um, you know, the water's blue. And then eventually when you get far enough, far enough north, it turns into glacier water. So it's like an emerald green, you got forests, you got cliffs with snow-capped mountains. It's just like, you fe really feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, I remember telling, uh, Faye, uh, Blaney, who was, uh, the lady who had invited us to go on the trip. I just, it, it felt like, are we actually in British Columbia or just like some other place? I felt like I just got plopped out of the country, put into like this paradise. And it was, it was really beautiful. Like you said, that line, when it changed the glacier water is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And there's waterfalls. We saw, we didn't see all the wildlife we wanted to see. We, we were kind of just saw butterflies and caterpillars and didn't really get the bear. Uh, but we did see some eagles and seals, so that was nice. Um, so yeah, so we continue along the journey and we go past Potato Point. Um, and the reason for this ceremony, it's a burning ceremony where uh, the Amalco First Nation are grabbing food and offering it to the ancestors. And the reason why this was done is that back in the 2000s, there was a mining explosion uh, just past Potato Point. And the reason why um, this is so significant and unfortunate is that there used to be, back in the day, uh, our people used to have coffins and we would put our, our deceased ones in the coffins and then they would be raised up into the trees. And when you have a mining explosion, it just wipes everything out. So this was recently discovered that that had happened in the 2000s. So the Malco people wanted to go up and do a, a ceremonial burning of where they grab the food and they call the ancestors from east to west to come and take the food as an offering and to show our respect for them because of the tragic incident that was occurred. Now, we can't really talk about exactly what happened, and you'll probably have seen in the episode before if you watch the show uh, that the actual portion of the ceremony couldn't be filmed, but... Um, I'm going to ask you first and then feel free to ask me uh, sort of what your experience was um, like as a first time seeing any Indigenous ceremony of any kind. Uh, yeah, I felt like I was watching something, you know, really, let's say, old and traditional. Like it's they had their way of doing it and you know, they had like rules that you had to abide by. You know, they want you to keep a distance, you know, talking whatsoever. Um, it was cool to see everyone's different reactions to it, right? You know, um, you, I don't know if you want to speak about with what you saw. Yeah, absolutely. I'm absolutely happy to do that. Uh, for me, um, I have seen Indigenous ceremonies before, but this one was one where it, it had um, it had sort of an effect on my body, which typically it doesn't. Um, uh, for me, I... 
I'm not the most uh, spiritual and superstitious person, uh, but when the the ceremony was happening, I did feel this like overwhelming sense of pressure from the top of my my shoulder all the way down to my feet. And then my joints started to buckle a little, like I got a little bit weak at the knees and and then my hand, like my hands naturally shake a little, but like it like extremely shaked. Uh, and then I had to sit down. And then from there, I had closed my eyes at one point and had my hands open and I, part of the, they burn the food, but then they also burn the blankets. And I could see at one point a hand coming down and taking one blanket and then my eyes were kept closed and it was just pitch black. And then 20 seconds later, I saw another hand come out and take another blanket. And I, that was just a, such an outer body experience and inner, but like it was, it was crazy. Do you think there's any meaning behind that? Like, did you talk with a tribe member about that? I haven't had an opportunity to talk about a tribe member about it yet. I've been meaning to talk to Darren about that, but, um, I, I think maybe that meaning was like, because the whole point of the ceremony is to offer something. And I, I just felt like that hand was them taking it. I don't know. Like even me saying that feels very out of element for me characteristically because I'm not, I would like, if somebody tells me that story, I, I'm very respectful, but I'll go, I don't really believe it. Right. But it's so, it was so crazy to like actually see something that wasn't there technically right i mean i'm that's not to be disrespectful but that's just how my mind works but yeah it, it was an amazing experience and i want to thank you for coming uh with me because to do that experience alone it one just the practicality of working on the water and with sunlight and everything by yourself as a one-man crew is insanely difficult so thank you for coming and and witnessing it too and and like you said you you had pointed out that you know the because you're with me and because you're you're a nice guy and respectful and we're we're covering this story they were really nice to you and, and and treated you with open arms yeah like i have no indigenous heritage but um so i was kind of worried i'm like i'm going into this like super secret ceremony on your, your land and but no just everyone was just so gracious and open and if anyone gets the chance to attend something like that you should definitely do it take take them up on the take, offer yeah well just like that mac we're out of time for the show that it has flown by i feel like we could do this again another time with some more stuff to talk about but uh, i want to appreciate uh, i want to take the time to thank you for coming on the show and uh, thank you and the listener again as always for watching another episode of our native land and we will see you next week Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.